Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. My guest this week is Vicky Walker. Vicky has worked in fashion PR, buying, design, events management, charity and communications. She runs her own company as a communications consultant and has led in various areas, including help facilitate the gathering of women leaders. She manages to find time to write. Her first book is entitled, Do I Have to Be Good All the Time? And she also blogs. So welcome, Vicky, to the Leadership File. Uh, Thank you for having me. Tell us about your journey to Christian faith, first of all, and then we'll get into some of this other stuff. Okay, well, it was largely involuntary. I was uh, (laughs) um, taken, when I was a very small child, into a church environment Mm. and... Pretty much that's what happened. Um, It was um, an Anglican church. It was very much um, a church exploring different ways of doing faith. And I probably grew up with some strange ideas of what was normal um, in the kind of David Watson era, an era of um, people exploring pretty much. Mm -hmm. So um, I think probably when I was about eight, I had what you might call a conversion. hard to say at that age really what's happening but it was certainly something that I'd been brought up in even if I didn't really understand what was happening mm. I have an early memory of um of questioning my mum on um you know when I got to heaven would I get a new head as well as a new body because <laughs> you know the language that we absorb yeah, I guess yeah. coming out of, of um a Christian environment can be quite confusing so I guess from an early age language and, and how people talk about faith has been very important thing to me so um yeah I carried on pretty much through that uh, very safe very normal life um and then rebelled completely when I got to my teens and disappeared for a few years um and yeah eventually came back to faith with a lot of questions and a you know another way of looking at things maybe or different ways of looking at things which I think is still part of the journey so which part of the country were you at this point I was in Yorkshire. Where else? The finest place. God's own county. God's own county. Is that what they say, isn't it? (laughs) So So in a city or in a rural area? Um, In a city, yeah. In a city. Good stuff. Okay. So um, you then went on to university? I did. And studying? Well, this was all part of my my big adventure, I guess. There was a sensible option to go and do a very practical business media type degree get a proper job do everything right um but my passion really was history of art um and at the very last minute having got a really good place with good a-level results I threw it all over and followed my heart really and and went to study old paintings and and cinema and um photography and lots of other things really pretty much making myself unemployable I expected (laughs) at the time that it wasn't at all a route into any kind of sensible job and I think now actually the way things are it's not a route that's open to many people I think it's become studying the arts and being in the arts has been become quite an exclusive thing which Mm. thankfully when I was younger was was still available so 
I completely indulged myself and thought if I'm going to get into debt, it's going to be something that I really, really oh, want good to for do. You. So, well, where else were you studying? I was in Leicester. Okay, so you kind of moved a little bit further south. I did, to experience the glamour of the Midlands <laughs> myself, yes. yes. <laughs> and eventually you made it You made it down to, to London area? Um, eventually I did, but with a lot of um, toing and froing, um, some of the jobs I've had have meant me travelling abroad a lot mm. as well, so... It's been a lot of years of not settling and, and really being mm. on the move quite a lot. Um, and mm. just in the industries that I've been in, a lot of change and mm. now working on a lot of projects. So it hasn't been a regular working life in any sense. Right. So. Uh, I mean, I mentioned that, you know, various jobs you'd had. And mm. I was wondering if there's an underlying narrative. This history of art and interest in mm-hmm. design, was, is that kind yeah. of connecting? I think probably what underlies all of it, if I (laughs) don't sound horrendously pretentious, um, is an interest in in beauty and and communication. Mm. So Mm. not the nuts and bolts of life at all, but Mm. actually what motivates us and what drives us and, Mm. and, you know, beautiful things and, and... and I guess looking at life as a bit of an adventure. So I haven't taken conventional routes through a lot of things mm. I've done. Um, I've had some jobs that I would definitely not want to repeat. I spent a period answering 999 calls, which Gracious. was pretty much yeah, <laughs> the worst job that I've ever had. But I've spent a lot of time, as I said, traveling the world, seeing mm. just, you know, lots of what the world has to offer and very, very different experiences of, of people and places mm. and um you know, I've been very lucky to do that, really. Not everybody gets to, to travel mm. the world at someone else's expense and mm. and see what's out there. So I think the narrative has just been wanting to understand beauty and adventure and, mm. you know, what motivates people. Sure, sure. Now, you're, you, you work as a, a communication consultant now. I do. And it, uh, it's going to be a bit of a left-field question, but <laughs> but uh, clearly the, the Christian faith in the UK you know, is is facing challenges, especially at the mm. moment. I just wonder what you what you see when you see the way in which the faith is sometimes communicated by its followers in the UK. Yeah, yeah. What an easy question. <laughs> it's not an easy, I realise it's a, we're talking about stereotypes, <laughs> but other things that you think we do particularly well as a, in the church. If I can use the broad yeah, word, sure. church, sure. Uh, and things we do particularly badly. Um, I think I think part of the issue is the we. I think. Mm. I think the idea of unity somehow meaning conformity mm-hmm. is probably the most damaging thing. Yeah. I think we're all so individual. I mean, everyone, you and I, everyone in this mm. building, everyone in the city is going to see life and experience life mm. in very different ways. And mm. I think if we look at Jesus' example, he he was one-to-one most of the time. He was talking specifically to people about who they were and what they were experiencing and told stories that they would relate to. And somehow we've all tried to, probably not all of us, I guess the we that you were talking about has become a kind of stepping back from that personal interaction and and sending out messages or um, trying to brand almost what faith is about as an easy way for people to attach to it, whereas the reality is is generally more more messy than that and much more personal. So... Um, I'm not in any way a, a classic evangelist, as you can mm. probably tell, but I think, you know, there's there's almost an ease in saying this is the truth, this is what it needs to be, mm. you need mm. to get on board with it, and actually that being alienating to a lot of people because of their backgrounds, their experiences, mm. um, and it's not how Jesus did it. So mm. I think we really need to be more sensitive to everyone that we encounter in that way and actually mm. talk individually into people's situations and just be relational, be with them rather mm. than trying to to preach at them or to mm. to give them messages that 
will somehow resonate because we've said the right thing to yeah, them. Because sure. so. everyone will filter what they hear anyway through Absolutely. their preconceptions of what Christ, you know whether Christianity is about dot on East Enders or you know if they if they know very little about it. Yeah, yeah, she is a modern day saint, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all come with mm. preconceived ideas, filters. You know, my idea of being a you know a headless corpse in heaven. Mm. Um, thankfully, I had experiences that balanced out some of the language that mm. I heard when I was young. But I know for a lot of people, the opposite is true, mm. and actually, any any careless mention that seems that it's words rather than relationship is going to be very damaging to them. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so talk, talk a little bit about some of your leadership experiences. Um, you know, you've been in, in a various roles in, in the work you've mentioned, mm-hmm. traveling and stuff. Um, things you've learned about leadership along the way? Yeah, it's really easy. Um, there are never any challenges. <laughs> Everyone loves you. You're the first guest. <laughs> first to lie, guest to openly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it's really, really hard. I think, again, you know, if we look at Jesus as an example of leadership, he absolutely was not mm. somebody that um, attempted to gather followers in that way. He, yeah, mm. I mean, he did say, follow me, but it was not in a sense of, mm. you know, I'm up here and you're down there. It was absolutely being among people. And, and the structures that we mostly work in are, are not those kind of structures. Mm-hmm. They're structures that demand hierarchy um, and put people in, in positions of pressure and other people in positions mm. of submission almost. And actually, that doesn't necessarily bring out the best in mm. us. So um, I guess my lessons would be and I haven't obviously always done this well would be to try and encourage people to take responsibility for themselves for to develop themselves and not to simply conform because Mm. you know they're told to um and certainly I've been in environments which um you know have sometimes been faith environments which have been very much a tell and do and often with some you know religious language around that as a as a means of (laughs) reinforcement which are not again really about um good leadership in my mm. opinion so so i think what i've learned is everyone will do it wrong pretty much so <laughs> there's got to be some grace for that but if we're actually trying not to lead but we're just trying to be who we are and trying to you know work alongside people and be relational we'll probably be a lot more effective than if we're putting ourselves under pressure to be something mm. um very dynamic or very resourceful um and actually just work with people mm. um, do you think the word leadership has a sort of stereotype attached to it that people try and live up to when they when they're told you're going to be a leader now yeah yeah, that, I think there's a lot of it? yeah, I think there's a lot of stereotypes. I think it's you know, few of them are good, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look for leadership in times of crisis and that's mm-hmm. probably um, probably important, but I think, you know, it's particularly relevant with the recent death of Tony Benn and his questions to leadership mm-hmm. which is still so relevant, you know, how did you what will you do with this power? How do I get rid of you? Mm-hmm. That actually leadership is not a right that mm-hmm. anybody has. It's it's a huge responsibility and it's other people's well-being and lives and mm-hmm. um you know, not something that we should we should aim for for its for its own right but i think we we live in a culture that really values that still um and we're taught that our worth can come from that rather than from anything mm. more substantially internal maybe yeah, sure. well you're listening to the leadership file with me andy peck i'm joined this week by uh, vicky walker vicky uh, works as a con- communication consultant and has uh, uh, led in various ways in various uh, activities we'll be back just after this Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Vicky Walker. Uh, Vicky has has worked in various jobs um, in fashion PR, 
buying, design, events management, charity and communications. She runs a communications uh, consultancy. Uh, we are talking before the break a little bit of her journey uh, into faith and uh, some of the, the varied ways in which uh, she's been able to work and particularly before the break, uh, uh, what she's been learning about uh, leadership al- along the way. Um, your first book, um, Vicky, has this intriguing title, do I have to be good all the time? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, it's it, it kind of it, you know it's it's a brilliant title because mm-hmm. it's it's um, you know conjures up all sorts of questions and it's quite a brave title in the mm-hmm. sense because it's within the Christian world it's kind of well if, the answer is well of course but then mm-hmm. of course you're asking the question hang on <laughs> maybe I maybe I think of, maybe I'm thinking about this so so. Tell, tell me about the title and about what you're aiming to ch- achieve in the book. Well, it's obviously quite deliberately a question rather than an answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think what we call good is very much open mm. to discussion. Um, often we mean safe and unthreatening um, and perhaps quite passive in a world that needs the opposite, maybe. So we're all born into um, structures and ways of being that are, you know, they're inherited and, and we either have a choice to to call them good I guess you know to call the way that we're led and the way that we're taught good or we have a duty maybe to to question that and to see um, what else is going on my book is not about that (laughs) to be fair Um, it is a much more personal exploration of um, you know my issues around faith I guess and and what I was told to be and taught to be and actually whether that really is what what God is or who God is so um, it was really my desire to be open and to be a voice that people could could relate to if they were the only other you know woman in their christian context whether it's a church environment or workplace who didn't feel like you know the good christian that actually they'll go oh great there's someone else who struggles with that or someone else who asks that question or who wonders so it was just very much about putting you know humility out there which doesn't sound very humble when i say it out loud but but the idea of just Mm. being honest and open and not trying to present answers but actually just saying well i i wonder about this and Mm. i'm not sure about that and this has been where i've um done things that have turned out to be mistakes that seemed like a good idea at the time or these are mistakes I've made that I knew were ridiculous when I was doing them Um, and just trying to kind of help people through really because you know I think we do come with such a lot of baggage the faith comes with such a lot of baggage that actually if we don't find a way through that we risk people just losing all interest and losing any kind of relationship with it really which I think is sad so there's a kind of almost a perception of a a kind of saintly bunch who've kind of made it who mm. who hear from god every day and yes, um that would be that would be me i'm one of those yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know hear from god every day and, and, and it kind of um kind of have it all tied up and, mm. and lots of other folk find that so intimidating they think i can never be there yeah um and and in some i'm not saying that these people are lying but sometimes there's a, there's a kind of a perception that they they're, they're obliged to yeah. put up appearances. And that does sell books, to be fair. <laughs> that, that definitely does. You know, if you can give people 10 steps to being mm. a better Christian or better anything, yeah, you're probably yeah. well on the way. Um, but also I think the people that perhaps put that across live mm. in quite a rarefied environment because mm. maybe they're paid by a church, maybe mm. everyone around them says yes to them, maybe mm. um, their idea of faith is what they've made it and, mm. and what they hear is their own teaching mm. <laughs> on that. Um, and, you know, it's very easy. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in um, proactive accountability in the mm. sense that, you know, I could sit in front of anybody who I'm in theory accountable to and tell them absolutely nothing about myself. I could hide mm. in plain mm. sight. Mm. And I think... The bigger challenge is to be 
you know accountable out of choice and mm. to seek out an openness and mm. a vulnerability that means we are just who we are so um yeah i think there is a big risk of of doing it right and i think not to um this traditional evangelism but i think a lot of that is mm. very much around that model um of telling people you know there's only this way this is the only way you can do it and mm. you know you're dreadful unless you're this and once you're this you're saved and you're you know you're redeemed and and that language for most people is not is not meaningful it's mm. actually quite pressured and and perhaps mm. quite alien so i think you know trying to open up honest conversation to to talk mm. about doubts and and wonderings and not instead just to focus on getting the victory or whatever mm. you know the phrase might be that people use i think is very important because mm. You know, it's not a game and it's not a competition. It's it's life. So yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> we're all in it together, really. And, and do you think that um, that leadership itself um, can can foster that sense of needing to be together? Um, maybe it's you know, there's a sense that uh, I'm a leader, therefore I mustn't show my vulnerabilities. And you've talked yeah. about different approaches to leadership I wonder if that's one of the yeah. ones I mean I think in my experience of being involved in several different organizations through business and mm. church and charities um, the DNA of the leader pretty much does become the DNA of the organization mm. so and I guess that's modeled in some way that this mm. is the way to be and this is the way to do it and I, I think probably it's just it's more subconscious perhaps even spiritual than that that something just filters down that if somebody is leading apparently openly <laughs> excuse me but is really in a place of hiding that will start to be something that filters into mm. the organization as well and I've seen examples of where a leader has suddenly gone through a personal experience that's made them more vulnerable and them talking about that has then opened up mm. vulnerability within their organization and, and it's never been um, to its detriment it's always been a positive mm. so so I think you know professional leadership and particularly professional Christian leadership does make for a huge amount of difficulty in being vulnerable and being open because mm. we're task driven and mission driven and vision driven mm. and driven being the thing that's pushing us forward all the time mm. rather than actually relationships so. and that's kind of the irony I guess is that the people who think that they need to hide their themselves mm. <laughs> to be better leaders are actually yeah. worse yeah um, yeah and I think you know I, I, I like you will warm towards people who are a bit mm. more vulnerable yeah, and I think perhaps there's a bigger risk that we're not even aware that we're hiding because mm. Christian culture tells us so much that we should be a particular way yeah. that you know we assimilate that and we don't actually look inside mm. ourselves, we don't examine our motivations or thought processes or mm. you know everything is sin, therefore it doesn't deserve to be looked at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but what's actually motivating our behaviour or our um, our ways of seeing the world? Mm. Um, I, d I think it's just much healthier and safer to actually allow ourselves the space to do that than to mm. say I'm a strong leader and and this is this. You know, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. You um so you managed to find time to to write this book. Um, you're also a, a blogger. Um, occasional. <laughs> occasional. <blogger. laughs> yeah, very uh, occasional. <laughs> so at some point you just thought, hang on, I'm going to write write regularly. What well, you know, for what most people will know now as a a kind of regularly sort of diary style piece. Mm, kind on, of. <laughs> kind of. Depends what, depends what your blog is. Yes. I did it back to front. I wrote a book first out mm. of the blue and then realised that actually I had other bits and pieces to say and a blog was mm. a good way to do that. And actually, if you, if you're a writer, it's a really good way just to mm. 
to write, you know, to practice mm. and, and to get your thoughts into a few hundred words and, and make them coherent and hopefully understandable to people. Um, but I'm, I'm still trying to write books and that's really what I should be putting my attention on, which is why I'm being slightly shifty about being, <laughs> being called a blogger. Um, but that's, yeah, I think there's an opportunity for what happens in blogging and actually what mm. happens online for um I mean, Rachel Held Evans, who's a well-known mm. American blogger, said the other day, you know, what the internet has done is allowed the voices of the marginalised in church to be heard. Mm. Um, and no one should be the marginalised in church. You know, sure, we should all sure. be of equal equal standing and equal value. But she makes a very good point mm. in that actually, because there is now a way of people having their voices heard, of articulating mm. their thoughts and their experiences, it makes for a more healthy church environment and I sort of use the term church broadly but you know Christian community Mm. um, and challenges to the existing culture which I think are very valid Mm. um, because there just hasn't been transparency until very recently so I think blogging does have that um, does have that benefit although I would have to put my hand up and say still very occasional um, Mm. and trying to write at the moment a book about failure and how to fail well oh well so um which I'm failing at at the moment, so that's, that's all good. <laughs> well, it's all, but, it's all, it's all part of the plan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely all part of the plan. So. <laughs> and you're, you're, you helped to facilitate uh, the gathering of women leaders. I do. Um, that's a kind of slowly growing... Uh, we've had Jenny Baker on mm. the programme yeah. before who who's, who's helped to helps to lead it as well. Yep, yeah. Yes, the idea really is, is to provide um, a supportive community for mm. women in whatever field of leadership and self-declared leadership to be honest not um not anything that is asking for you know any criteria to be fulfilled but anyone that feels that they're called to lead in a particular way um and i guess using the word leadership is tricky in some ways but we're talking in some ways into a structure that and a, and a culture that sees leadership a particular way and mm. women over the years have been excluded from some of those mm. areas and haven't had um a way in or any support and haven't known anyone else like them mm. so so yes we exist to you know to facilitate relationship mm. building um experience sharing very much on the level there's no um, keynote speaker um mm-hmm. set up there's nothing like that we just bring people together we just facilitate a space for people mm. to come together and share their experiences and get to know each other and uh, and some people have said you know no matter what you did during the day i'd turn up just to just for the coffee times just to talk Mm. to people because it can be really lonely being out there and leading in different fields and we have women doing amazing things our last um, gathering we had someone that's spoken to the UN on on FGM Mm. um, who's devoted her life to that who turned up and had you know an entire room of women cross their legs because they'd just not heard Mm. this stuff before Mm -hmm. um you know to bringing someone just to say fgm is female genital genital mutilation yeah yeah so we do we focus on the you know Mm. on the justice um Mm. issues around the world as well it's not a group of women getting together to moan about anything it is Mm. really about being broad-shouldered mutually supportive um and trying to do our best for women across Mm. the world and draw attention to lots of things that otherwise perhaps don't get a platform Mm. so do you think um because because culturally we're still struggling to get into the kind of equality side mm. in the UK I mean you know MPs were still were 65th I think mm-hmm. in the, around the world right. as, as a, a nation with number of yeah. MPs which is something like 23% um, so we're, we're struggling do, do, do you think that means that women have to be better leaders they feel that pressure to be really good 
in order to make their way. We we have had conversations about things like imposter syndrome where, mm. you know, very, very highly qualified intelligent women will say, I'm just waiting to be asked to give my PhD back, yeah. um, which I don't think, I don't want to generalise too much, but mm. I don't think it's perhaps something that as many men would struggle no, with. Sure, so, sure. so we do come across that. Um, but I think also there's just still an idea that women have to lead differently. They might, but I guess they might not mm. as well. So... The idea that if you're going to be a woman leader, you're going to be more emotional or more nurturing mm-hmm. or more, you know, more anything, add your own <laughs> stereotype yeah, to yeah. that, um, rather than just merit or ability or education mm-hmm. being the reason that you go into a certain place. I mean, a lot of women end up in, in communications jobs because mm-hmm. they're seen as, as naturally being a better fit. So mm-hmm. there are certain stereotypes to overcome, even in sure. just what's expected of a woman leader versus a man. Mm-hmm. Well, I trust that you know your gathering does does good in that in that field. We hope so. <laughs> Sadly, time has defeated us. Uh, just time for people to know how to find you. Okay. So um, your your blog address or well, I have a website, website? Um, vickywalker.info. Vickywalker.info. Yeah. Yeah, and from that you can therefore then find me on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere else. I'm hanging around. So fantastic. Well, it's been terrific to chat with you. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Thank you, you very much. You've been listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined by Vicky Walker. Uh, her book, Do I Have to Be Good All the Time, is available um, from my website, from, from her Amazon, website. the usual, okay. the usual suspects. And Amazon. Okay. <laughs> um, so do do find more about that. Do go to Premier's website, www.premier.org.uk, and find archive versions of Leadership File, including this one in due course it's been good to have your company again look forward to you tuning in next sunday at 3 30 you've been listening to the leadership file on premiere andy peck serves as a tutor at cwr a christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply god's word to everyday life contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk Thank you.